Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. All right, uh, awesome again. We're uh, we're back for yet another week of uh, of the Rick and Don show. Uh, it's been a, a little bit since uh, we last recorded. Um, pretty busy uh, uh, on my end as, as well as uh, uh, finally getting the, the seasonal change here in Chicago. So uh, looking for a, a pretty uh, momentous uh, week here for for uh, our podcast where we're, we're getting our first guest on. Um, so. Uh, I'll, I'll intro Chris and then we can kind of just jump right into it um, so that we're not kind of having some random voice waiting in the wings and then eventually intro him, you know, <laughs> 10 minutes down the road. Um, I, I was walking to dinner to, or I was walking to, to pick up dinner and I, I was thinking of, of all the things that I would need for uh, Chris's intro credits. And it literally took me like the entire time to walk a couple blocks to make sure I had everything. Um, so you're, uh, you, Chris is a, a member of, uh, uh, an amazing group, uh, uh, musical group right now, Castle Wild, uh, former, uh, member of the, uh, eponymous Chris Hendricks band. Uh, he's the founder and chief inspiration officer of perfectly afflicted. He blogs on medium. He's a public speaker, a very talented public speaker. Uh, he was writing articles over at comic central. Uh, and there's probably a dozen other things that, that I'm, I'm, uh, kind of missing as well. But, uh, the, the first guest of, uh, of the Rick and Don show is, is this week. And, uh, we're very lucky to have Chris Hendricks on. So, uh, welcome Chris. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. This is, uh, this is really awesome. I feel like this is one of those times when I mean, of course, you always want to be yourself when you're connected um, uh, to any podcast. But I feel like uh, the three of us really speak the same language um, in terms of our interests and and hobbies and passions. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm also excited that you're here. (laughs) Usually. (laughs) Sometimes I like to wait to see how long before I actually can speak. (laughs) Yeah, that was a bit of a long intro. So uh, so apology there. (laughs) Well, I, uh, maybe I should apologize for that. Actually, I, I am sorry <laughs> that I have serious creative ADD and have to do lots of things. Is there anything else in there that was uh, that was missed, or anything else that, uh, <laughs> or, or I mean, as as we're talking and you know things come to mind that you want to plug them along the way, feel free to to do that as well. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I I feel like if I add any more stuff, it's just gonna like any listener is just gonna think I'm a narcissistic. <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll try to you did perfectly fine and and all those things sound wonderful so so with uh with all those all those things said i mean we uh we crossed paths through your, some of your uh, uh original <coughs> excuse me your your original work with uh the chris hendricks band um yep. and then we just started talking and showing up to more shows and, and stuff like that and you you usually ended up having a, a group of friends I, I wouldn't call it an entourage or a posse or anything but generally just a, a group of friends who would show up at the same shows and you talk about hanging out afterwards and like all you would do is stay up and play mario kart all night afterwards at somebody's house and like that doesn't happen like you're in a band you don't do that <laughs> and then the more and more that happened, all, all we started hanging out more, talking more, and then all like all you wanted to do was 
come over and play Mortal Kombat. So I, again, it, it really didn't take that much to, to make the jump from uh, kind of the uh, performer uh, artist and then uh, a fan to, to a good friend. So uh, happy to, to make that leap. And the more we talked and then the more we basically had uh, all the same interests. Um, it's just the fact that, uh, you know, you can also actually play music and, and I cannot do any of that. So it's, uh, uh, it's, it's uh, been pretty interesting to see, uh, see that grow as well. Well, it's all been, uh, you know, I suppose the, my, my ability to play music is of course all a matter of opinion, uh, as is, uh, as is any art. So it depends on, depends on who you, who you talk to. It's the same, you know, um, my, my condition, uh, CP, I can say, all day and all night that it doesn't affect uh, my mental capacity. But again, it depends on who you talk to. So, um, I am really just, uh, just happy to be here. Can't say it enough. And, uh, so we were, we were talking a little bit before, uh, before Don hopped on, uh, the call here where, uh, uh, heading out to, to Vegas myself in, in less than a month now to, to play magic at, at GP Vegas. Um, and so that was one of the first things that, that kind of, we had started talking about it. I forget. I think it was one of the fall shows you did. Um, and then, so even the, the messy Venn diagram that, that we have between all of our interests here uh, is just kind of even tighter there. It just has more overlapping spots there with uh, you're, you're kind of an old school magic player who, uh, who has always wanted to get back into it, but just never has gotten around to it. Yeah. I, uh, I loved it when I was a kid and um for the most part, I'm still a kid. <laughs> so, uh, that's never really, uh, that's never really left me. But, um, and I, I was just told uh, a long time ago that once I, once I got out of it, um, there was a, a magic, uh, veteran actually approached me at a, at a, a shop, um, uh, a shop in Durham that I, I don't think it's around anymore, but he said, you know, once you get out of it, like, it's almost impossible to get back in because there are so many sets and so many cards and so many, so many cards that are broken, but then unbroken because they come up with new rules and all this stuff. And so I just assumed that once I walked away from it, it was something I wasn't going to be able to dive into. And, uh, Rick, uh, has basically been my like indirect immersion therapy, um, back into the, the realm of, of magic. I'm actually, I'm pretty sure my girlfriend, Heather has no idea how much I actually like magic, the gathering. (laughs) So once she, once she, once she finds out, we'll, we'll see where we are. (laughs) She's pretty, she's a pretty open-minded, uh, incredible, um, human being. And she knows that I'm, I'm full fledged nerd. So I'm sure it won't be too much of a surprise, but, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, if I can attach things like magic, the gathering and Vegas, she might be a little bit more um, uh, kin to to an appreciation, uh, but she's an artist herself, and in the end, the, the uh, game of magic is an art. So uh, everything kind of blends. So uh, you you mentioned one of the one of the words there that for one of the topics I wanted to talk about where, I mean, both of us have kind of gotten together, and then even the stuff Don and I kind of uh, talk about on here. It's something that we haven't really 
went in depth about, but uh, is there a, a preferred term for, for what you prefer to be as far as a nerd or a geek? And do you, do you nerd out or geek out uh, as far as uh, the difference between some of that? Because uh, I've seen a lot of stuff recently with a lot of the Comic-Con booking and posting and stuff like that. And it, it seems like there's two distinct uh, kind of terms there for uh, what a nerd is and what a geek is. And it's, it's, it's interesting that we all have our uh, hobbies. And again, we just have a very overlapping set of set of interests here. Uh, so it's interesting that we'll be kind of, you know, three of the same people, but uh, is, is there one that you prefer over the other? You know, that's a really good question. Uh, actually, uh, I can't say that I've been up on the sort of the current social status or like the most relevant uh, recent urban dictionary definition of either. But I can give you my personal opinion and uh, I'll tell you that, in my view, a nerd is just someone who is incredibly passionate about something, right? So you can be, uh, you can be a movie nerd, you can be a music nerd, you can be uh, an art nerd, anime nerd, uh, magic nerd, all these things, right? A geek is, in my view, it's like, a geek is a nerd with superpowers, um, in my opinion, because you have somebody who is incredibly passionate about something, but is also, uh, like he's able to articulate, um, that focus and, and organize or organizes thoughts into these, um, these, uh, rants that are, you know, worthy of Nobel prize laureates and, uh, you know, um, masterful classical uh writers and it all comes from a a space of passion Um, but that's just my two cents um i guess in terms of the term that i prefer um i guess i could say i would like to be uh i would like to be a geek but i am not uh i don't think i'm at that uh to to use some of our terminology i haven't leveled up there yet Mm -hmm. um so i'm gonna settle with nerd for now how about yourself there don Oh, man. Well, you know I'm a millennial. I just hate labels. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, no, it's weird because, like, I mean, like, you know, there's just, like, I do, like, a couple dorky things. And, like, I, I what, what kills me is that I do a lot of the stuff that I do, like, I, I it's, it's, like, totally unironic. So it's, like, you know, um, you know, we've, you know, we, like, we've talked about wrestling and stuff. Um, and, like, with the art stuff, like, man, like. I don't know, like, I write, like, you know, I, I, I don't even like to call myself a poet, because I don't even, like, really classify myself as that. I'm just someone who writes, happens to write poems, but, um... That's cool. I don't know. Like, I don't know, I'd probably go closer to, uh... I don't know, I, oh, God, I don't know, maybe I have to, I have to look up definition. So this is how bad it is, I have to legit look up... Um, well, and but again, you know, my, my stab at it was, like, totally... That's, that, that is, like, complete personal opinion. I have no idea um, if I'm any anywhere close to right, and I'm sure that there is some geek or nerd out there that's going to write me after hearing this podcast and be like, you don't know us. You don't know anything. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm waiting for that to happen, so well, it's okay, man. I, w- I would tend to agree with those uh... – with with those definitions, uh, since I, I tend to be a nerd about about many things, but then uh, uh, you know, hundred percent geek out on magic. Where uh, you know, podcast listeners, uh, friends, family, 
coworkers, all that stuff. Like I, I'll talk about magic in any context and then, uh, eventually people don't know what it is and I have to explain to them. It's like Pokemon but for adults. <laughs> and then, you know, the conversation and the relationship changes forever after that. Uh, but that's still something where, again, I'm never not, uh, nerding out about magic, uh, you know, talking about it, wearing clothes with it. I have a magic tattoo, you know, so it, it's definitely something where that is, uh, something that's over the top and, and I consistently, uh, you know, uh, embrace that and, and kind of grow my knowledge there. So, uh, it, it's interesting because I, I, I kind of brought that up based on walking, uh, home from picking up dinner. Uh, there's a, a bar near or next to the, the building we live in. Uh, and tonight they, uh, they end up um, having uh, Geeks Who Drink, which is a uh, like a, a nationwide uh, trivia, a bar trivia uh, thing. Uh, and it just it's interesting, the kind of the embracing of the culture, uh, the kind of embracing of the, the differences between it. Um, whereas you have the Nerdist, uh, what started as the Nerdist podcast and, you know, has become the Nerdist empire. Uh, and then yeah. you've got yeah. the, the geeks who drink and, and all of that stuff and then uh, tons of other things. So it's just interesting where I think that's, it's a, it's an interesting dichotomy where someone who grew up watching, uh, saved by the bell and, and they always, whenever someone was running for class president, they always had the geek vote, the nerd <laughs> vote, you know, et cetera, all, all the different right. uh, dichotomies of the non popular people. Uh, and then now like, I mean, you know, they all generally mean the same thing and everybody in the group kind of embraces all of it. So it, it just, it's interesting to, to listen to. Well, you know, I think that's the other really good thing that's happened, you know, in terms of, uh, first of all, I think like the, the term, like the term geek out, that's, that is actually the, the, the sub, um, the sub terminology, or I don't know what the right, I guess, um, technically the adverb, um, that gives uh, that gave me permission to view the term geek as nerd with with superpowers. Mm-hmm. So actually, I hadn't actually heard nerd out until you just said it, Rick. But I've okay. heard I've heard geek out many times. But with that said, because these terms are thrown around so much now, like I don't. I, I think like the the geek and the nerd being quote unquote unpopular is so like 80s 90s i think now you're almost unpopular if you're not uh a geek or a nerd and i i say that um uh i say that not in defense of my own my own loves and my own hobbies but there's been a couple things that have happened that have sort of bridged the gap between um uh different groups of people so for example they said that like halo bridged the gap between the between the jock and the nerd, right? Because jock started playing video games because of Halo, right? That's one of the things that I um, that I read about the superhero movies that are going all over the uh, all over the place. The um, the universe that is being built by uh, by DC and by Marvel. Like everyone is going to watch these movies, so all of a sudden you have these uh, different cultures of people that are coming together and really just admitting that they liked the same things all along. They're going like, Oh wait, maybe we're not actually different. Maybe we were just too afraid to say that we were huge fans of Batman around girls. Like, (laughs) um, I think the culture has changed and I'm really, uh, especially being someone who, who, um, is, is lucky enough to write articles for an indie comic 
website, I'm super psyched that that is, it is more and more okay to be in this world, mm-hmm. like in the, in the world of, of nerddom and geekdom, should we say? Yeah. Like it's, you know, cause it's one of those things where it's like, I always, you know, I've, I've had a few, uh, nerdier geeky jobs, but like, um, I've always, always tend to classify myself just like, as, you know, kind of like a, uh, a regular person who just has, uh, you know, like, you know, like geeky and nerdy hobbies. Um, but it's just like one of those things, like, you're right. Like it is like, it's one of these things that are like cooler now. Like I got, um, so like when I got, when I graduated from my undergrad, I, I got really into like, um, uh, retro game collecting because I didn't have anything else to do with my time. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I was into that for a while too. So, yeah. <laughs> so I spent a lot, a lot of time, like the folks, like, like the, uh, the old, the, like always like people like will say like the random video game facts and stuff. Like, did you know Super Mario Brothers 2 was actually a Japanese game called Doki Doki Panic? <laughs> and I would and be like, the, and I would be the dork that goes, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're like, yeah. And it's like the eighth time you've heard it that day. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, no, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot cooler. It's a lot cooler now to, to do that. And I think, I think it comes from, from, um, this idea of just being uh, more honesty, yeah. like, and, and being genuine. I think that's where that really comes, comes from is because like, you know, you could, if, if you hide it or, you know, it's it, like, if you hide it, you're not being genuine. And like people that usually hide that kind of, you know, that hide that stuff sometimes might not it might not be the they're not being the true to themselves or true to other people by doing it but um i think that's what it is and i think that's why it's become cool now is because it's like like um unironically like like there you know yeah um, i mean you can't you can't get away from it um i mean it's to be honest it's gone like i would even take it a step further it's it's frustrating for me to look, look on, you know, my, my, uh, like past days in, in middle school, high school, and even college and think about, I wonder what would have happened had I been more open about mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I wasn't connected to my own, uh, community of peeps that were also into the, the same things, but like it's, it's weird to me, I'm going to get a little philosophical here, but it's weird to me that vulnerability is now a buzzword. Like, yeah. oh, it's, it's, it's trending to be for this vulnerability and, and consciousness thing, and let's all be open. Like, I'm listening to people talk about it like it's this great new scientific discovery, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I wasn't like, why can't you just, why can't you just be the thing? Like it, it's like, not some new like, form of alchemy. It, it's nothing that's like you know. It's not yeah. rock that they brought back from the moon. Uh, as someone who just saw Neil deGrasse Tyson last night, uh, it brought back from the moon, and they, now they discovered new isotopes or something. It's like no, this has been around for a while. Like it's it's nothing yeah. that's new and crazy, and you know, discovering fire for the first time. I never. It, it still it still blows my mind. Like I'm I'm so like I'm super excited for things like like Ted Ed and TEDx and Ted talks and all that stuff. Um, and I was super happy, you know, for, for someone like, you know, Brene Brown to come out and talk about the power of, 
of vulnerability. Like that was all wonderful and, and great. But every was everyone was like watching this talk and going like, "Oh my God, she's discovered this great thing." It was it, it, it was like this new form of like it was like a thing that used to be kryptonite, but now it doesn't hurt anybody anymore. And I just it doesn't. It, it's always like, especially being a musician, right? And any, mm -hmm. it's, for that matter, any artist, right? Mm -hmm. You can see how putting yourself into any form of art, doesn't matter whether you're drawing something, whether it's a, a song or a comic book or a tabletop game or whatever, everything that, that geeks and nerds love, right? That is vulnerability, right? It brings people yep. together all the time. So now all of a sudden people are going, oh my God, vulnerability brings people together. And I'm like, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's kind of been the basis of art since the beginning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's like somebody, that's like somebody who is, is not a part of this culture coming up to one of you and going, Oh, so nerds read books. Like that's, that's, that's part of the, it, it, it's, it's the definition of, of, of what we, we represent being ourselves and and having a certain knowledge base. And then That's I all. think it's also, I mean, again, we'll kind of touch on this a little bit later, but I mean, it's also kind of unapologetically being yourself where certain people don't always have that option. Obviously, we've talked about this and Don's touched mm -hmm. on it being, being that as far as coming from a person uh, of his background. Chris, you mentioned uh, CP earlier. Um, and so, I mean, for me coming where like, I really don't have to apologize as a white male for, you know, being who I am, et cetera. Um, but I mean, it's now, I, I think it's with that vulnerability, everybody, um, in the kind of growing, uh, zeitgeist of communication is, is kind of seeing that you can adapt all those things. You can be vulnerable because everybody else is kind of bringing it to the table. So it's like, everybody's just kind of inching everything forward. Everybody's more okay with everything that they, you know, geek out, nerd out about regardless of what it is. And then everybody's always just kind of able to, to kind of move it in. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, a huge push for, uh, mental health, uh, awareness yeah. and, and kind of support. Um, whereas, you know, X number of years ago, severely stigmatized and started to, to move forward. Um, and so I think there's a lot of that, again, that kind of the openness, the vulnerability that uh, is a, uh, you know, many faceted uh, uh, three-dimensional object that, that ends up having uh, many different lenses and, and helping folks that, again, you know, when we were in school, they may have, uh, you know, kind of internalized it and, and beat themselves up for, but now there's other people that they identify with in any number of ways and then that they can make it, you know, worth their while. Well, I think it's created an entire, like this really bizarre, uh, subculture with, with social media and things like that. It was like when the anti-bullying movement became a thing, mm -hmm. that was another, that's another thing that like, I'm happy about, but it also bothers me. Like, why is there an anti-bullying movement? Why don't you just stop being shitty to each other? Like, I, I don't, I don't, like, why is it, why is it a buzz? Like, oh, we're going to join an anti-bullying campaign. No, just don't punch John in the face. <laughs> like, just, no, I, 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 I actually so, can't do anything without committees. Um, yeah, <laughs> committees and movements. Like it's, again, it's a, it's a grocery shop. I'm I'm all about <laughs> I'm all about bringing people together and creating change. I completely 
I completely support that. But the fact that you have to label, like, like Perfectly Afflicted, for example, the organization that I've co-founded, right? Um, so we use art and public speaking in order to just remind people that they matter. We want to create connection between groups of individuals. It doesn't matter whether you're a young person or you're in a corporation. We, we say that we serve uh, people like anyone from kindergartens all the way up through corporations because a lot of people know there's oftentimes no difference between a kindergarten and a corporation, right? <laughs> I do. Yeah, like, I, I for sure know that. Yeah. So, but aside from that, I, I don't like, um, it, it used to be called um, an anti-bullying uh, movement just because it was easier for people to understand. And I've pretty much taken that word completely out of the the lexicon the mission statement because i don't uh i i think that that is on some level too it's too surfacy um for our uh organization i don't think that uh um i don't think that quote-unquote anti-bullying movements should come across like after-school specials that we were forced to watch in the 90s um, I, I think there's more meat to it. And, uh, I, and I think like things like Twitter and Facebook and stuff, I'm all supportive about that, that sort of connection, but they're also the ones that are responsible for taking things like anti-bullying and making them buzzwords and on, on some level turning them into after school specials. And I could probably spend way too long talking about it. So somebody change the subject quick. <laughs> It's just it's just one of those things where it's like, man, it's like you would be amazed how easier the world is if you just like aren't actively addicted to people. Like, it's like <laughs> and, and also the people that don't the people that say they don't know they're being unkind, they're lying. Yeah, they, exactly. One, you're one hundred percent you're either a sociopath or you are just one hundred percent aware of what's happening and appreciate the reaction from the group of people. But like, if, I mean, this is, this, this may be flawed logic here, but if I'm going to take it to an extreme in both directions, wouldn't you rather someone think you were, you were so kind that they would do anything for you versus them punching you in the face? Maybe. <laughs> Like, if those are your two options, which way do you want to go? Well, I think especially with a lot of the stuff in the news, like you look at the all the airline incidences lately where it's just – it goes from, you know, zero to 60 in no time. And it's just like the – there's a lot of, you know, rage and anger and confrontation that is, you know, just implicit in that as opposed to like what's the end game for both parties? Like don't be a dick. Like nobody's here to inherently make your life worse. So, you know, de-escalate and kind of move forward as opposed to, again, uh, everything there where uh, uh, some of them are between people. Some of them are between, you know, uh, a passenger and an agency um, right. where there's, you know, people coming from authority are, are basically uh, – trying to assert that without understanding the other position, et cetera. And obviously, I, I, you know, a huge umbrella coding uh, of everything there where I'm not, you know, talking about any specific one. Um, 
but I, I've seen it. I travel a lot for work. I've seen yeah. numerous people where all of a sudden, like a gate agent says they can't find something in the system and that person automatically drops the F bomb. And, oh, yeah. and right. then it just like, again, it goes zero to 60 and then it's, reverse the tables if that person if you're on the other side of the table and somebody comes up to you and engages you that way are you going to be likely to help them no i i don't think so so again you know flip the tables take the other uh, account into mind and and it's interesting and and again um uh it, it just ends up being a completely different perspective when you put it in that way so there's a lot where uh you know just let it roll off your back and you can move forward and, and kind of do it a, a little bit easier. It's yeah. almost like, like I, like people used to think the word adult meant diplomacy. And now they think the word adult, which has now become the word adulting means paying your light bill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of it. But I, I, I yeah. think a lot of that mindset comes from uh, the idea that people are so used to being just screwed over. Mm-hmm. by somebody else getting theirs that people have become overly defensive um, when there's a hiccup yep. or, or something like that. And, and that's where a lot of that comes from is because we've let ourselves. And the reason people are so defensive about it is because there's still this mentality that, Oh, well, you know, well, I'm still going to get mine, you know? Sure. And it's one of these things where I don't think it's really, you know, good, good for folks. And especially with, you know, how, you know, there's only X amount of corporations that basically, you know, manufacture certain things and, and that like people are being used to like just being viewed as some kind of commodity themselves. And it it just comes down to, you know, it just comes down to that whole mentality, which I I don't think is a personally is a good mentality. Um, Well, I mean, it's especially, um, it's like you say, you know, if people, people are becoming commodities, you know, part of that is, is, um, the side effect of social media, you know, Mm -hmm. and as a result of that, people, uh, I think honestly, a a lot of the overreaction to, to things. And by the way, I want to say I'm human and I totally react to stuff. So anybody (laughs) like I'm, I'm the pot calling the kettle black here, but, um, you know, with that said, people want stories to tell. Because if you have a story to tell and people will listen, then, you know, in that moment, for that moment, your life matters, right? And so if you have uh, an intense moment at an airport where such and such didn't do their job, sure, it's incredibly frustrating. But you also now have the opportunity to go home or whenever you land and whoever is, you know, your brother Joe, who's picking you up at the, you know, underneath the Terminal 2 sign, you walk out the door and you'd be like, guess what the person behind the counter did to me? <laughs> oh my God, you're not going to believe this? It's absolutely ridiculous. And you can spend the yeah. next 15 minutes telling your brother Joe the crappy time that Betty gave you. And the whole event probably lasted five minutes but you turn it into a story that lasts an hour and you're a hero yep Um, yeah yeah and it's 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 like perceived offense versus like what an actual offense would be yeah that's what it comes down to for a lot of that no and you're right like social media it's like it's like this weird thing where the access to information and technology 
that it's a constant it's constant consumerism and since you only have a finite amount of money you start to look for things that you can consume for free and it does come down to that it does come down to um you know like other people's stories or or things you know or, or that kind of stuff where where it you know it that kind of thinking and mentality can end up corrupting kind of the original intent of things um you know they're like you know, like i mean we've all seen it. it's like you know where there's like a, a quote or something that gets um attributed to to someone that's taken out of context or or that kind of stuff just because oh, yeah you this... mean like all of social media articles ever <laughs> 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 yeah 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 uh, buzzfeed um um yeah but uh <laughs> Dude, i i uh i i couldn't agree more i actually um uh, forgive me for plugging myself a bit, but I, I wrote uh, an article on just in in the comic world uh, diversity in comics um, for Comic Central that that talks about um, just being being careful about judgment and taking uh, taking words out of context because it's really really easy to do um, when you're sitting behind a computer. Mm-hmm. Super, we just have to be really really careful, like. That's the other thing is like, I actually, I don't mind Facebook articles. I don't mind them. Just don't look at one though. <laughs> yep. Right? Like <laughs> check other ones and then like, compa- like develop, see what the, the beauty of what, what happens when you do that is you can create your own story around the idea, whatever the group of articles are, are trying to say and you're, you know, Sure, you're, paraphr- you're paraphrasing other information, but you combine, you know, paragraphs from various sources. You think about those paragraphs in your head, and all of a sudden, you do have your own story to tell. Mm-hmm. Which have something is interesting. That's a uh, that's uh, pretty much the exact thing that Neil deGrasse Tyson talked about last night in in part of his talk. Uh, he's doing a book tour for he he wrote a book titled. Uh, astrophysics for people in a hurry um so it's like it's a, a 200 page book a very small small uh, form factor uh but one of the things he was talking about there is a scientific method uh, and you know throwing out whatever you learned about that what the scientific method was in school but you know science is about objective truth and so as a scientist you won't ever say i proved x you would say you know this experiment has led me to this conclusion and then somebody else sees that and goes oh I, you know, either think that or I think something's different. Let me try that. Or maybe this scientist supremely dislikes this other scientist and wants to try to prove him wrong. (laughs) And so they do their own experiment and then they get something that kind of jives with the same answers. Somebody else does the same thing and jives with the same answers. And what he ended up calling it was you end up coming with this, coming up with an emergent truth. And I I think that's what what kind of the the two factors there are. People are are loath to, you know, get anything more than a single source. Um, They have cognitive dissidents that they hate to uh, see. And I mean, again, this is my turn to call the pot uh, calling a kettle black. I hate to see anything that doesn't jive with their expected uh, belief system, perception, reality, etc. But then they also don't want to, to then kind of correlate all that together and see what uh the underlying emergent truth is so so there's a lot there um that ends up uh being a um you know 
just a, a thought process where, again, the, the easier it is to jam this information down people's throat, the more difficult it is to actually going to be to get to, to the objective truth because nobody wants to actually do the legwork anymore. Well, I mean, oh, I that's know. the other thing is people just – I have always believed that the hardest thing for us to do as a – not just a culture but a species um, truly – is to really put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. And, yeah. and I'm talking about like both sides of the aisle, politics, religion, wherever you want to go. Um, it is so, um, it, it's actually, it's, 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 it's doubly hard because on one hand, it's so hard to step outside of your own comfort zone and stand in the shoes of somebody else. On the other hand, it is so easy to hang out in your bubble and be refreshed by your own viewpoints. And you have both of those things happening at the same time. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to when, uh, whenever that bubble breaks, however it breaks, uh, it'll be a great day for the world. Uh, I'll use this as a pivot to, uh, to the next topic, but uh, kind of uh, both there where uh, something – and I think it was a Nerdist podcast that, that Neil deGrasse Tyson was on uh, more than a handful of years ago now um, – but it's something that's always stuck with me um, as far as what I use to kind of do what you were just saying and uh, question everything, put myself in somebody else's shoes, try to understand something that may not be a, my exact perception, something like that, um, where, okay, you have a dot or you know a period or a vertex, whatever you want to call it, or yeah, a point. Um, you know, it's a, essentially a zero-dimensional object. Then you have a line – that's a one-dimensional object bounded by a zero-dimensional object. Pretty conceptual. Mm -hmm. Then you have a square, which is or a rectangle, which is a two-dimensional object bounded by one-dimensional objects, which in turn are bounded by zero or one-dimensional objects. Yeah. Then you have a cube, which is a three-dimensional object bounded by two-dimensional objects, bounded by one-dimensional objects, etc. Yeah. Now, obviously, you can see where this is going. Yeah. Then the next one is you have a four-dimensional object bounded by three-dimensional objects, bounded by two-dimensional objects. Can you comprehend what that four-dimensional object is? <laughs> like, no. So, exactly. But it's it's something, you know, so simple where it's a simple extrapolation where no matter how much I think about it, like, I've never come to the same conclusion twice. And so it's always something where something that simple where it's, f it's funded in, uh, you know, the majority of what I've spent my, my life learning, I, you know, have a minor in math from a four year institution, et cetera, et cetera. And I've taken way more upper level math classes than I care to with the exception of differential equations. Thankfully, I never had to do that. Um, uh, at least wholesale. Um, and so there ends up being something there that is kind of intrinsic to me where it's like, I'll never understand everything when that is a pretty simple concept, but I still, every time I think about it, like I end up thinking about something new. So, Obviously, it's not super science fiction-y and, and nerdy and science geeky and everything for that for every situation. But, you know, maybe the Uber driver you're getting into just had a shitty day and he doesn't want to kind of go across the street or make the turn you want to. Just, you know, yeah. as long as you're getting to where you're going and, you know, it's it's not, you know, the end of the world and you don't get into an accident, that can, you know, be perfectly fine. So uh, it just – it ends up being something for me that uh, I see as that. So I, I was going to use that uh, multidimensional aspect uh, to kind of talk about a, a topic that was brought up last night. Um, so what is your guys' opinion on uh, 
all in the same area. Uh, and I'm sure you probably didn't expect to talk about this, Chris, when, when we were doing a guesting. So uh, aliens, alternate universes, time travel, that stuff. Is is it possible? Is it something that can uh, exist? Is it something well, that yeah. is uh, realistic or something that is, uh, you know, anything that, that you have seen or led to believe that would either, you know, lend credence to one or the other? Okay. Um I'm going to, who would like to, do you want me to dive in or Don, would you like to? Uh, you can, you, you can go. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. So, so here's what I, in, in my, in my in, incredible, vast ignorance. Um, here's what I have to say. Uh, so first of all, Brief History of Time uh, by Stephen Hawking is one of my favorite books ever. Um. Not everyone's a fan of Stephen Hawking, but everyone should be. And if you're not, go fall off the edge of the world. Um, it's just an amazing, uh, amazing book that, in my view, blended a, a grasp of, of science that I could never understand with a philosophy that I felt like I could. Um, and so I'm starting with that. Uh, to say in, in terms of, you know, various universes, um, we as a species were not designed to understand, um, infinity. Um, and with that, the, the, the infinite reaches of, of space. Um, so in terms of there being, you know, multiple universes and I, I mean, there is multiple, uh, multiple particles, uh, multiple nanoparticles, multiple atoms, all the way up to multiple planets, multiple galaxies. So in my view, uh, in my assumption, um, an incredible lack of understanding, I, I would assume without much doubt, um, that there are indeed multiple, um, uh, multiple universes, um, and, uh, and multiple dimensional planes. Uh, it, it, it makes sense to me. Um, in terms of the whole alien thing, uh, the world is way too big. Um, and I'm going to be really, man, I'm going to yell that by somebody after I say this, <laughs> uh, the, the vastness of the universe is far too large for human beings to be the most selfishly important creation. Um, and uh, that's a really bold statement, I know. Um, and I apologize out there to people who are angry with me now, but don't don't yell too loud. It's just an opinion. So um, it's, it's pretty it, edgy for listeners in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. It's just, and I and I I end my uh, my rant. Uh, by bringing in something my the co-creator in Castle Wild and my really good friend Andre DeMuzio brought up. Um, uh, th- we, we believe, uh, I think, uh, I, I hate to speak for him when he's not here, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we both believe that there's other life forms elsewhere. Um, but he brought up something really, uh, uh, an opinion that was always really interesting to me, which is, like, why would... Why would aliens uh, who let, let's assume there's there's aliens and let's assume the technology and their way of thinking and philosophy is like way above ours 
Okay, let's just let's assume that, right? Like where we are with with monkeys. Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about that. Yep. Right. So if that's the case, why would they? What would their interest be? Like like if we. Um, if they've landed here and we all know about them, then great, wonderful, awesome, right? But as far as I'm concerned, if they're, like, way beyond us in terms of consciousness and all those other things, like, Earth would be to them a little bit like the Grand Canyon. Like, oh, look, it's the place where the things walk around, right? They are... In my view, they would be like, why would they be so obsessed with our particular um, planet? I think that everybody, um, if I'm going to assume that there are other life forms doing, you know, with their own sort of dimensions in terms of species and things of that nature, uh, that the one thing that they might have in common with humans is that they're too busy with their own lives to care about ours. Um, and... Uh, I don't know. I, I would like to think that there would be a connection and that there would be an interest. Um, um, but uh, if there is, I, I want to know about it soon because I think it's incredibly fascinating. So apologies for the long rant, but there's where I'm at. <laughs> no, I've, I've always thought of, um, especially more recently, I've definitely thought about... Um, about multiple universes because what, what's what's like what really led me to think about it was just this idea of just like be interesting to see what those like alternate universes look like oh yeah and you know to check on an alternate universe donald or, or whatever um and then i was thinking and then i just would like always get distracted on this whole idea of just like tourism mm -hmm. you can you can only go to an alternate universe where like the, your life is substantially worse. <laughs> so that way, so that way, when you go back, you're just like, oh man, like, I guess my life isn't so bad. I mean, I could afford to go on this alternate, alternate dimension vacation. And in that one, I'm a chimney sweep in 1932. Like, um, <laughs> have you been watching a little bit of sliders recently since, uh, since you've had a, a lot of, uh, daytime, uh, daytime availability. No, this has been this has been an idea that I've that I've thought about for for like at least like the last like five years. Okay, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of that a lot of that big locks time. Yep, and um, <laughs> um, because it would always because the thing is, it's like you would know your life would suck when you would start seeing a whole bunch of people that look like you. Hmm. Right, but it's like, oh man, that's the sixth guy I've seen this week that looks like me. So like, you'd be like, man, it's like, you know, it just that that kind of stuff gets you thinking. Um, you would you would almost have no choice but to constantly judge yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like <laughs> is, if is, they is, all is, look is, like is this, you, you know. Maybe uh, this is the point where I just shit the bed and like I don't like <laughs> they all know because they're they're advanced enough to travel to alternate fucking dimensions, but. You know, we're just like, just like, oh man. Uh, uh. Well, I mean, I just—I don't know. I, I think that if I were lucky enough to witness something like that, well, first of all, in terms of, I think that in order to travel through time, we technically we have to be faster than the speed of light. I believe, 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, most of the current theories are, are using that as the route there. Uh, which would pretty much turn me into, you know, the this, this tiniest strand of spaghetti and then break me apart then and then some. Um, if my consciousness could somehow survive the trip, <laughs> uh, then I guess it would be, uh, I mean, it would be really fascinating. The one thing I will say, um, uh, to the, to the benefit of humankind is, is, um, the technological evolution that we've gone through in a very short period of time in the grand scheme of things, it has been, uh, really tremendous. I mean, there are like, we are rebuilding people's spines. There's nanotechnology that goes into the body and does surgery and then leaves and you don't even know what's happening and you don't have to go to sleep. Um, I mean, it's all of the things that we have read, um, in science fiction comics or novels or, or seen in Star Trek, uh, in the, from the, the, the seventies, um, that some of that is, is literally coming into fruition, um, at this time. I mean, when they were talking about holograms, I was like, what the hell? Right. (laughs) But now, but now it's like, oh yeah, hologram. Like, that's the thing. Everybody's like in, in, 10 years, everyone's going to have like a hologram pet, like a, their own Michael Jackson hologram that will talk to them for you know, the low, low, the low, the five easy payments of 1995. You can have a hologram Michael Jackson that won't touch you in weird places. Um, you can get, you can also get the version from the dollar store that just goes, Shimon. That's all it does. Yeah. <laughs> it just loops. And, uh, BT dubs. I absolutely love Michael Jackson and I have, I don't think that he did it just by the way, just throwing that out there. He didn't do it. <laughs> he, was a, he was a, he was a weird, he was a weir- weird guy and who wouldn't have been weird being treated that way by his dad. But yeah, don't believe it. He didn't do it. He loved the world way too much. So, so it. with that, Chris, uh, have you actually seen Neil deGrasse Tyson speak? Because you basically almost reiterated almost all the stuff he talked about on that topic last night. Uh, unfortunately, I have not seen him speak. Um, I have watched a couple YouTube videos. Okay. Um, and, uh, I, I do, I do love the guy. I think he comes across, um, um, I don't know. He, he speaks my kind of language, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, especially in terms of, of, his view on, on using a limited life, uh, a a finite existence to just do as, as much as you can and experience as much beauty, um, uh, as you, you possibly can. Now, in terms of like his, his, his philosophy versus science, um, I want to dive more into into who he is, but uh, I would, yeah, I, I wish I could see him speak. I I can't, and there's no, you keep asking me these questions and I want to talk about them. I want to answer you for an hour. Ad nauseum. It's, it's so hard for me to not talk, which is, I guess, why I'm a nerd after all. Well, that, that just means we have plenty more episodes to come back to then. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Since I mean uh, we we haven't gotten into any of uh, any of your stuff, which uh, I definitely want to want to get back to it, uh, maybe in, in future episodes as far as you know why uh, 
the stuff that uh, kind of brought Don and I to, to kind of starting this uh, is very similar to some of the, the past projects that uh, you and I tried to work on uh, and some of the stuff that you were successfully able to bring to fruition with Perfectly Afflicted, um, a lot of your, your public speaking and stuff like that. So we definitely have plenty of time uh, to, to talk this out and, and scope this sure. out through the summer and, and get a uh, uh, recurring guest, uh, guest role here. Sure. I, I would, uh, as long as you guys can put up with me, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't think that'll be a problem. And, and just so uh, just so I'm not uh, kind of skimping out on that, uh, I, I definitely kind of agree on, on both sides there as far as um, these parallel di- dimensions. Uh, did either of you guys watch uh, Stranger Things? Uh, yeah. Okay. I've seen six episodes. Okay. Uh, so you I have get, commitment issues. Yeah, I was going to say you didn't get bit by the <laughs> bug then. Um, so, I, I mean, that's that's very interesting there as far as just the, the underneath and, and all of that stuff. But uh, definitely kind of variations on reality. Um, and uh, last night Tyson was talking about the concept of a, a simulation world. Um, you know, basically the, uh, the reality that the Matrix could be true, uh, where it's uh, eventually somebody starts building a, a simulation that person gets self-aware, builds another simulation, et cetera, et cetera. So eventually that extrapolates out and, you know, just based on sheer st- statistics uh, and probability, uh, if that is the case, like, like we would all likely be in a simulation world. So that could that could possibly happen there. Um, but uh, again, the one thing I forget who else said this on another podcast. So I, I have a habit of uh, stealing other people's quotes and, and keeping them in my head. Um but it's like uh, the concept that we don't understand space, we don't understand time travel, the you know the concept of aliens, et cetera. But like your dog doesn't understand computers and the internet. So just the fact that both things exist yet one doesn't understand the other doesn't kind of preclude the other from existing. Sure. Um, Absolutely. So so that's always been my concept there as far as being able to say, yeah, eventually there, there's going to be something out there. Uh, and and last night he talked about the the concept of the smartest chimp can stack boxes to get a banana. But for us, toddlers do that. So, you know, in that comparison, uh, you look to see where that is um, and kind of see, you know, if if that is what it is, like, what would we as if we're a toddler to, you know, other intelligent life, what would what could that possibly be for them and and things like that? So uh, it's an interesting concept. And uh, uh, one of the funny things about uh, sliders that I mentioned is that was one of my favorite shows growing up. Um, And when. uh, Napster and, and all the big file sharing services were, were all the rage in, uh, in when I was in college. Uh, I started downloading uh, uh, sliders to watch because Netflix streaming wasn't a thing. There weren't any streaming services <laughs> then. Um, and I was excited. I, I went to work a hockey game, came home, and went to, to watch sliders. Um, and uh, at that time, there were a lot of people that just uploaded crap uh, to, to things and you would download it and it wasn't what you thought it was. Um, yeah. And so most of it was just either, you know, just random cartoons or just junk. Um, I started watching something that definitely wasn't sliders. It definitely wasn't anything else that anybody else should be watching either. But it was it was definitely not sliders. Um, so so that was that was definitely a surprise when I, I was in a, a shared dorm room with uh, with one of my uh, best friends that I've known since I was two um, when when that came on. And it wasn't like one of those oh I have to cover it up. It's more of like what the hell am I watching? And so it was uh, I didn't watch any more of it. But it, it was uh, you know quickly deleted and and I went back to looking for actual sliders. Um, but that was. Uh, so I get you. That that was definitely one one of the uh, the best uh, running gags for a while of uh, uh, whenever sliders was brought up through the throughout the rest of college in, in our magic group. I was I was the the brunt of that joke. <laughs> That's all right, man. Being the blunt of the joke just means love in some circles. So 
Um, uh, let's see. I, I've been asking all the questions so far. Uh, so Don, is there anything you wanted to, to bring up? Uh, there's uh, there's definitely some uh, some common space between you guys being both being uh, even though as you said, Don earlier, you don't identify as a poet, but definitely being an artist together. I don't know. I guess you like. I mean, if we've got time for it, um, sure, go for it. Uh, just like sort of like um, like sort of like your journey into into art and like uh, and like that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, um, well, I'll give you the, I'll give you the, uh, basic, base, uh, basic basics, uh, shall we say. Um, my dad was a country singer, uh, entertainer. Um, he did it as a hobby, but he was really good. And I was sort of drawn into his ability to hypnotize crowds. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, take that, uh, for, for whatever it may mean, but I didn't, you know, I was way too young to even understand what music was, you know, or what songs were. I was just, I was, um, one of the lucky ones to be hypnotized along with, you know, the crowds of people that my dad would entertain at these, um, uh, the, these parties. And it wasn't until, um, college and post-college that I really, um, took, uh, music cause I've been singing since I was four years old. Um, and it, it actually, this is, this is kind of a cool story. So my, um, the creative partner that I mentioned, I mentioned his name earlier, Andre, the co-creator of Castle Wild, he r- wrote a song called Tokyo and he played it for me. And that's the song that I attribute to like sort of sparking my interest in songwriting and then eventually poetry alone um and then uh poetry turned into to blogs and and attempting to write a comic book and and doing all these other various things um but i have uh i've had a hard time uh over the last 31 uh years of my existence trying to figure out what my obsession is in terms of art because that happens when you Mm -hmm. have or add um but uh, what I've really, what I've recently um, come to grips with is really my obsession is around words, um, mm. and and just language in general. It doesn't matter whether you put it on a page, like being a poet, you know, or you're you know you're speaking in front of a group of people, or you're singing. Uh, it's all uh, words and language and syllables and how you put them together. Um, if you do them, uh, if you do it in just the right way. Um, it creates a reaction in another human being that you are not allowed to be a part of. You're not allowed to, that, that you can't replicate. So that is to say, whenever I play a song, whenever I say a poem, whenever I give a speech, it's no longer my song, my poem, my speech. Mm-hmm. Um, it belongs to, to other people. And they get to, depending on how many people are in the room, they get to have their own individual um, experience. And the fact that my, the fact that in my view, uh, my art and my inspiration doesn't really belong to me. It's, it's its own entity that sort of visits me and then goes where it wants to go, um, is the most exciting, uh, thing to me. And I guess that's why I love art because all you have to really do is, is be open to it, be open to the possibility. Um, and it also takes a lot of pressure off your creativity because if you feel like the art doesn't belong to you, then you don't feel like you have to force something that's yours onto a page. Um, if that makes any sense. Uh, it makes total sense. 
and I, yeah, um, I think that definitely syncs up with some of what we had talked about, Don, in the, the podcast episode a couple weeks ago, where it's, again, there's the, the idea of ownership and some of that. Yeah, the, uh, no, like, I mean, and that's, that's sort of how I view it, too, because, like, like my thing is, like, you know, if you, like, you, like, you, you can't get attached to what you create completely because, you know, because you'd, you're still living through vicariously. So, like, um, you know, I know somebody goes, oh, well, this is doo-doo or, you know, because they're three, you know, and, uh, um, you know, like, you're going to get hurt. And, like, I see that a lot. Um, I see that a lot with, when folks come to me for, like, writing help. Mm-hmm. And they're just, like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you see it all the time, too. Um, and, you know, they're just, like, they're not, they're still... They're, you're still too involved in it. It's still too, it's still to, to quit, to quote an internet. I mean, it's still too real to them. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, there's the, the distance, the distance does help. And I think that's a really, that's a really, uh, uh, smart way to look at it. Just, you know, because your goal is that you should want to get better. Yeah. And, absolute. That's so important. And I think so many people forget it. And I'm so glad you said that because, um, if we have time, I just want, I want to say one more thing about it, which is I, I think, I think constructive criticism is really important. Um, mm-hmm. uh, not just because it helps you grow as an artist, but because what happens, what happens, um, in every human being, it doesn't matter what you it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, trying to write a poem or you're trying to start a business. Okay. If you are not constructively criticized, if you don't find a group of people that will constructively criticize what it is you're trying to do you no longer have the opportunity to create a filter. Um, everybody yeah. needs to have a creative filter. And that is to say, you need to know when somebody, whatever, you need to know the difference between someone just crapping on your project and someone truly trying to make you better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if you stay attached to your creation, you'll never know the difference. Anybody coming from any angle that says anything quote unquote negative about your project, you're going to push them away. Um, and any businessman, I would, I would like to say any businessman worth his salt will tell you. Um, and this is one of the things that's kept perfectly afflicted alive is if you have, if you are not able to be flexible, um, you will not survive. And, and, uh, just a very brief story. When we first put out our shirt designs, we sat down with a fellow businessman who basically said, uh, if I wear, if I wore these t-shirts at school, I would expect to be beaten up. You guys have got to change your t-shirts, right? And that, you know, when we first heard it, it kind of stung a little bit. And then we were like, oh, wait, maybe he has a point, <laughs> right? Um, and it meant, you know, doing, redoing a lot of things, redoing the website, et cetera, et cetera. But the business is doing better now. Um, and I'm not saying every piece of advice you get is going to be great, but, um, learning to, do, you, you need to have a filter. It is absolutely essential. So thanks for letting me jump in there. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's like, no, like that's, you know, that's kind of the thing. Like there's, there's so many times I've had people, uh, randomly email me. Um, I don't know why, um, you know, asking for advice or for help or, or, or passing things along and, you know, they're just so not open to, to like, to, to 
change or to think about their work differently. Um, I had this one instance where I helped out. Um, uh, I was helping someone, and, and they sent me a, a chat book to to look over, and sent like a like a survey uh, things of questions like, "Oh, this is almost ready to to show to other people," and I like I went through it and I did it and I wrote tons and tons of pages of notes i went through the entire thing and was like look like this, this is how you could make this stuff stronger and they're just like you know it, the reason i did that is because i was going through the, the questionnaire thing and it was like what do you think this book was about how much would you be willing to pay for it and that was like that kind of grinded my gears um oh, wow. but yeah. yeah like like how much would you like like you don't get that's not you don't get no <laughs> like, the, 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 no, you just and, and um, yeah. So like, I sent it back and I was like, "Hey, I'm like, you know, here's all these, you know, um, poets you should read. Who I like, some of these people I've worked with personally. Um, you know, you should read these people. You know, just to uh, and, and I did a very good job of, of playing the gambit of of people. Um, so it wasn't just one particular." Uh, a view type, you know, it was across very different view types, very different writers, and they're like, "Oh no, we're just going to put this out anyway." And I'm like, "You don't? Right. That's awful! <laughs> like, you don't want to do that, like, you know?" Like, and uh, you know, and on the one hand, you got to give them props for creating for the sake of creativity, but you know, um, there's definitely again, like. There's clearly like someone who's developed a filter would go, okay, I like this, these adjustments, not so much this, you know? Yeah. Um, as opposed to like, yeah, this is all crap. And I have a kind of a different aspect of that with a lot of my career being in software and uh, QA and quality assurance. And the, the constant theme there is anytime you open a defect or open a bug or, or et cetera, or you have feedback, it's always calling somebody else's baby ugly. Uh, and that's that's the term that that is used uh, extensively in uh, in the IT world, um, and so it, it ends up being something where yeah, where it's that you can have constructive criticism. It's not always calling your baby ugly, and it's not always as soon as you receive constructive criticism, you have to burn it all down and never do anything again. Um, so it, it, it definitely goes both ways um, because some uh, some of my closest coworkers that that I work with, uh, you, you know, into the the wee hours of the night on on some projects and everything. Uh, you know, it's just, it's give and take back and forth. And uh, the better you can understand that, you know, you're working towards a, uh, uh, as long as, again, going back to the beginning of the episode, you're, you know, not being an asshole. Um, everybody's working towards trying to, to make it better in some way. Uh, you know, just understanding all the aspects of that ends up helping a little bit more uh, because you can, you can have that dialogue of going back and forth as opposed to, uh, you know, just taking your ball and going home and, and you know, never letting, whatever you're creating, seeing the, seeing the light of day and then who wins there. So, uh, it, it ends up being something where you, you want to have that, that dialogue. Uh, and it, it may not, you know, it could be objective or subjective, but still have the dialogue and see where it goes as opposed to, uh, you know, having a, a temper tantrum, which, uh, which I, I literally saw one of our friend's kids do and get that on the floor and, and kick and scream the other day, which was, which is quite hilarious. So wow. I, I was in a workshop I was like, you said, take your ball and go home. I was in a workshop and at Queens working with, um, Claudia Rankin. Oh, wow. and, 
Um, and and we're sitting there, and we're in this thing, and there's this poet um, in this in, in the in the group. Um, everybody basically critiqued everybody else's work, um, and usually, you know, when we do our critiques, uh, the person who's being critiqued doesn't talk um, because it's supposed to because you don't because people fall into that um, into the defense you know defense of their baby. Their, yeah. their ugly baby and um <laughs> they'll grow out of it they'll grow out of it um no uh so um so we're sitting there and it was funny um for the first uh for the first for the first workshop uh claudia wasn't able to uh, i think it was we weren't able to quite get everybody there and um it was this the the, the person that was being critiqued was a slam poet who um you know fill up their portfolio to the max for their submission. And these poems were just long and really didn't do a whole bunch. And um, we made a couple notes on that and said, you know, you may want to refocus on this and expand on these ideas and, and see where those can take you a uh, creation. And, you know, she basically had her whole grandstand and, and everything and, uh, uh, you know, attempted to take her ball in, in, and go home. And, and Claudia Rankin uh, basically called her out on it. In a uh, in the next in the next workshop that they had, which was really funny, um, <laughs> yeah. Like I just like that's just that's so interesting considering I do, um, and and I I have to nerd out very briefly. I, I I do slam poetry as well, so we should probably we should talk about that at some point. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't I don't like uh, I have an appreciation for it. Um, I'm just no, I'm just no good at it. All my poems are all, all dopey and sad. So, well, but, I may um, very well be no good at it. I have not, I haven't been properly, uh, properly critiqued. Um, I, I just, I selfishly, I get to, I get to perform them in front of audiences that, um, that have a, an expectation of, um, or I should say, uh, audiences that don't necessarily like, uh, well, let me just backtrack and just say I, I don't perform, I I have yet to perform my slam poetry in front of an audience of a bunch of slam poets. <laughs> right. That, so. that might be for the no. Um, yes, yeah, no, oh and gosh. maybe it is. You know, my, maybe <laughs> my slam poetry is terrible, but I, I I need some critique, and and it's you made some good points, so I should probably dive into that. Um, yeah, that's definitely a, an awesome topic that that we could come back into in the future because uh, it's something where again uh, I am not a slam poet, but I definitely uh, like it from many different uh, poets that are out there. And then just the kind of uh, love of the art form in and of itself, Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to, uh, you know, kind of how it it crosses a couple different mediums um, is is pretty interesting. And so that's what I I was actually writing a couple other things um, down here that are, uh, other things that, that you, Chris, you and I have talked about in the past that uh, are other topics that we, we've covered on the, the podcast as well as far as, you know, stand-up comedy, uh, slam poetry was the other one there, uh, and just doing a couple other things. So there's there's definitely more things there that we can add to your, your pluggable list uh, and and, uh, and uh, come back as, as future topics. Uh, yeah, we got a lot. Uh, we, we might actually have too much in common, guys, <laughs> if there is such a thing. 
So yeah, I, I think uh, yeah. that that gives us about the the normal time for for this week. Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to, to touch on before we wrap up? Uh, just uh, shameless plug. Um, I haven't been le- uh, writing for the website for long, but um, if you're a comic fan, comic book fan, uh, indie comics, uh, please check out Comic Central. The um, CEO Lee uh, Jeffrey is amazing. Um, and, uh, an obscene amount of the, um, profits from comics purchased through the website go to the creator, which is why I support it and why I write for it. So just, just so. for clarity, I mean, we'll, we'll link to it from the, the episode page, but that's comic central C O M I X central, correct? Yep. yep. That is correct. So yeah, so we'll, we'll link to that. Uh, we'll link to perfectly afflicted. Um, We'll link to, to your, your medium blog uh, that you've been been putting out recently. Uh, and so again, just as a kind of, again, creating and just getting it out there is, is kind of the first step. Um, yeah. So uh, the, the, the last story I'll, I'll leave uh, Don with, and then the rest of our, our audience with is uh, as, uh, as much as uh, I loved having Chris here tonight. And as much as he, he did not go overboard talking on any of his, uh, his uh, overly uh, very descriptive answers. Uh, we once uh, had lunch together Um and, and a series of about as long as, as this episode has been, um, where Chris did not say a single word at all. Um, he had, had lost his voice and was against doctor's orders to talk uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, yet we still went out and had lunch. Uh, so it was very interesting to have lunch with someone who couldn't talk and then uh, was basically using uh, uh, head expressions, and you could see it was killing him to not be able to talk. Um <laughs> And then still have the same level of conversation and the same length of responses that we were having here, uh, but at the same time, not say a word. Uh, so if, if we could have that level of communication uh, non-verbally, uh, I, I think we're, we, we've definitely got, a, got enough content for a you know, repeat guest here. Sure. Uh, well, it's been a thrill, guys. Uh, I really appreciate the offer, and um, thanks for, thank you for the content. Thanks for helping get this stuff out here. Um, uh, out there and uh, just really appreciate it. No problem. Uh, we'll definitely look forward to, to the newer one or more uh, episodes and get to the heart of, again, why, you know, uh, kind of we started the, the Rick and Don show and just get to something bigger than us. And, you know, that's something you're doing every day. So uh, happy to, again, make sure we're all working towards something bigger. Absolutely. Let me know how I can be of service uh, in the future. Please listen carefully. Sounds good.